What's up and welcome back to another episode of Keeping Up with the Commanders. I'm your host, Mason Kennehan. We have a huge week in the NFL draft process for this week. We have the NFL scouting combine happening uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, the entire week pretty much. We have the NFL uh, scouting combine happening. We're going to have press conferences from Adam Peters. We're going to have press conferences from Dan Quinn. We're going to be hearing from both of those guys. Plus, of course, we're going to be able to see these prospects on the field, all of them, uh, at the same time, working out for all the teams, all the two team scouts, and pretty much just showcase their talents and athleticism. The forty yard dash, best uh, bench press, um, along like the the vertical jump and the um other jump too, where you go like horizontal. I'm blanking on the name of it, but the other one when like you jump to the, to the side, like forward. Uh, so we have that one too. But um, yeah, we've we have a lot to, we have a lot to get into. So. We'll, we'll just start right off with the scouting combine. Um, that's pretty much going to be the majority of this week's episode. Then we have uh, Cam Curl. I want to talk about him and the entire situation with him a little bit. Uh, as he's going to be an upcoming free agent in just under a month right now. In like, what, two weeks, three weeks? Cam Curl will hit, be hitting the free agent market, and he's going to be able to sign with anyone. So that's going to be something we're going to talk about. And then the weekly mock draft, of course, at the end, where I'm going to be reviewing one of – the listeners, uh, one of your listeners, um, mock drafts as well. So we'll start with the count with the combine because that's going to be pretty much the news for the entire week. Adam Peters, the general manager, the new general manager of the Washington Commanders, will be meeting with the media on Tuesday at 11:30 a.m. Dan Quinn, the f- new head coach of the Washington Commanders, will be meeting with the media on Wednesday at 1 p.m. I'm going to be posting an article about uh, talking about what we learned from these meetings at some point, probably Wednesday evening, if not Thursday. I'm going to be posting an article on the Right Way Sports Network, TWSN.net, about Adam Peters' interviews and about Dan Quinn's interviews, what we learned. And as again, the media will be asking them questions about the, the prospects, how they answer that. And then the media will also be asking them questions about how they're planning on building through the draft as well. I'm excited to hear from both of those guys. So, Adam Peters and Dan Quinn will have interviews from when this episode comes out within the next two days. Both of those guys we're going to be hearing from. So that'll be fun to listen to, uh, both of those press conferences. Both, of course, will also be in attendance for the workouts on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday with all the positions, all the players, along with, of course, Commander Scouts. Um, the Commanders keeping pretty much most of their scouting staff, which was kind of expected, again, because – at this point, you're kind of too far into the scouting process because once more, like once the NFL season comes to an end, regular season uh, playoffs come to an end, that's like the time. That's like peak season right now for scouts. Um, as scouts pretty much have their evaluations already done uh, on these college prospects throughout the regular season, throughout the college football regular season. And now there's going to go interview them and meet with them in person, uh, see how they test athletically, medically as well. We're going to get into some of that because that's going to be really important for both offensive, some big-time offensive players and defensive prospects as well. So we'll get into that in a little bit. But pretty much the staff, the scouting staff will be staying, which, again, is, you could say, not great since the last few drafts have been a little bumpy with Ron Rivera and Martin Mayhew as the um, as the two guys kind of leading this charge with Eric Stokes as well. Mayhew staying in Washington in a um in a like a role beneath Adam Peters and then Eric Stokes is uh in a role as an advisor for the Commanders so 
the Eric Stokes role, whenever you're named like an advisor after a position you had, like what Eric Stokes had as the uh, as a player personnel guy, um, it's more of just hey, he's here, he's just gonna finish out the contract and then leave. While for Martin Mayhew, it does sound like he's going to stay with the staff long term with Adam Peters, which again, I don't entirely like. I I know some people might not like it just because of how much of a say he's had in the past few drafts and how these drafts have not gone great. But Mayhew, I think it's fine. I think it was really Eric Stokes who kind of was the big guy uh, evaluating these prospects and picking which ones they ended up with. And of course, Mayhew won't be the only one calling shots now as we've seen these infamous videos of Mayhew and Rivera wanting to trade up for Emmanuel Forbes and stuff like that, which is not great. But now Adam Peters is in the building. Adam Peters has brought some of his guys in the building uh, into the building as well, and he's going to kind of be the lead guy. So now it goes through Adam Peters instead of going through Martin Mayhew. Martin Mayhew will just be there as kind of an assistant to Adam Peters. So uh, I think it's a fine move as long as Peters is the final say in things because we need a, a different final say in things, and I think Peters would be great. In terms of the positions themselves and the prospects themselves and when they will be working out, Thursday will be the defensive line and linebackers. Friday will be the defensive backs and tight ends. Saturday will be quarterbacks, wide receivers, and running backs. And then on Sunday, it will be offensive linemen and special teamers. So, again, this is a change from last year. I believe last year the running backs worked out with the offensive line. The tight ends worked out with the quarterbacks and the wide receivers. So a little bit of a change-up um, now. It's the defensive line and linebackers will be going together. Defensive backs, tight ends will be going together. So it's a little bit of a change from previous years but it'll still be fun to watch um still over the course of the four days i think it's great that, that the quarterbacks receivers and the running backs will all be on the same day and the offensive linemen kind of have a day to themselves as well because i like i like that too because for the linemen it's more of three cone uh 40 yard dash stuff like that or more 10 yard splits than 40 yard dashes but it's stuff like that so i think uh i think the way that they're doing it is fine. It's just kind of a change from the past few years. But yeah, we'll just start, we'll just jump right into these storylines because some of these storylines heading into the combine this week don't even involve, I would say, the prospects themselves as we have Justin Fields potentially being traded as well. Um, so that could be something that happens because again, all, all of the teams, all of the general managers, all of the head coaches, they're all in the same place at once. So all, all the front offices are basically in the same place at once. This kind of accelerates processes. We saw last year with the Bears and the Panthers. The Panthers trade up to the number one overall pick shortly after, I believe, the combine happened. So, again, it kind of accelerates processes since all of these guys are all in one building, are all in the same place at once. We could see that again for the Bears uh, with Ryan Poles and what he wants to do with Justin Fields. It, it really sounds like Justin Fields is on his way out in Chicago. The question is to what team I don't expect Washington to be in on Justin Fields or I, th I really think it's going to be a guy in the draft that they end up with but again teams like the Raiders have been rumored to land Justin Fields the Steelers have been a team that uh had that there's been some pretty big rumors about possibly landing Justin Fields so so those teams that are not entirely in position right now to draft a, one of the top three quarterbacks in the NFL draft a lot of those teams are being rumored right now to land uh the fourth year coming up to be the fourth year player out of Ohio state, the former first round pick Justin Fields. So uh, the, there's that storyline, but then I kind of want to talk more about the prospects themselves 
and the offensive and defensive storylines coming from that. We'll start with the offense and the quarterbacks mostly because, again, a lot of how this offseason goes will definitely rely be um, – it's going to kind of go with how the quarterbacks go because Justin Fields, I just mentioned about him, what's going to happen to him, what's going to happen with guys like Bo Nix in the draft, J.J. McCarthy, Michael Penix. Are they going to end up to sneak their way maybe into the top 10, into the top 15? I know there's been some big-time rumors right now surrounding J.J. McCarthy potentially being the fourth quarterback off the board. Or will they drop off like Michael Penix has, it feels like, over the last few weeks. He's kind of fallen off from potentially being a mid-to-late first-round pick to now being a mid-to-late second-round pick. So uh, there's been a bunch of movement um, right now in terms of the rumors and everything between these quarterbacks. Michael Penix and Bo Nix, both of those guys attending the Senior Bowl last month. I was there. I saw both of those guys throw. Neither of them really impressed me that much, especially not Michael Penix. Penix didn't even play in the Senior Bowl game. But both of those guys will throw at the Combine. Both of those guys need to throw, in my opinion, at the at the Combine. As I'm recording this at 3 p.m. on Sunday, uh, Jane Daniels, Caleb Williams, and Drake May, there's been no word on them if they're going to throw or not. Same with J.J. McCarthy. I would expect at least J.J. McCarthy to throw. Not really sure about May or Daniels. Oh, sorry, May or Williams. But I could also see Jane Daniels opting out of the throwing portion of the workout. Um, same with, again, the other two guys, Caleb Williams and Drake May. So uh, th- those three guys, I'm not entirely sure. I think I would expect J.J. McCarthy to throw at the Combine, and then Michael Penix and Bonex, of course, will need to throw at the Combine. So those are kind of the top guys. In terms of the wide receivers, um, moving on to the wide receivers, who is really – the same question was kind of one that I brought up for the senior ball too. Which wide receiver will separate themselves from the rest of the pack? Because – you have the top guys, Marvin Harrison, Malik Neighbors, Romo Dunze. You have the top three guys right there. You have Brian Thomas, who's probably going to end up on a team, in my opinion, in the top 20, maybe falls out a little bit, maybe top 25. But he's going to end up going in the first round, in my opinion. He's going to test really well at the Combine uh, this week. And then you have kind of just a mix of guys afterwards. You, some people, I feel like the consensus is A.D. Mitchell is the wide receiver five in this draft. But then after that, even then, like not not entirely a lot of people have A.D. Mitchell as wide receiver five. I haven't watched him yet, but I'm expecting to kind of like him a little bit, potentially be an early second round pick. But after A.D. Mitchell, it's you have Lad McConkey out of Georgia. You have Ricky Pearsall out of Florida, Roman Wilson out of Michigan. I expect all three of those guys to impress me at the combine because, again, all three of those guys, great route runners. And you're going to be running a lot of routes and catching a lot of footballs at the Combine. I think all three of those guys do it really well. Um, and then you also have Trey, uh, sorry, Troy Franklin, Xavier Worthy. What's going to happen with those speedsters? I expect probably good 40 times out of both of those guys, plus Malik Neighbors, of course, as well, out of LSU. So I expect good 40 times out of those three guys. We'll, we'll see what happens. This class isn't really the fastest, I would say. Malik Neighbors, Worthy, and Franklin – I would say maybe low threes for neighbors and worthy. Uh, worthy would probably be, yeah, low threes. Neighbors a little bit, uh, a little bit. Uh, what's the word? Slower than that. And then Franklin, I'm not as high on in terms of his speed. I really think he could slip out into maybe the four fours. But beyond that, there's really not that many fast receivers in this class. So, uh, those are the wide receivers I think will do good in the 40. Again, the 40-yard dash isn't everything. It's not going to say who's good and who's not. We look, I mean, look at the fastest guys 
uh, that ran the 40 yard dash. Not all of them have turned turned out to be good players in the NFL. So the 40 yard dash, don't overreact to it. It's more of kind of just, hey, did, did this guy do? Is this guy doing what he's expected to do? Instead of, oh wow, he ran a 4.31. That's crazy. Like it's more of a, hey, can, did this guy not run a 4.6 when he was supposed to run a 4.4? It's more like. If, if I'm looking at a player like Malik Neighbors, let's say, and I expect him to run a 4.35, I would say maybe 4.35, 4.37, somewhere around there, and he runs a 4.4, I'm not going to freak out over that. I'm going to freak out if he runs a 4.52, and I expect him to run in, in the late 4.3s, maybe early 4.4s. If he runs a, a 4.52, then that's something I'm a little bit concerned about. But beyond that... um. That's with the wide receivers. Who's going to separate themselves out from the pack? I mentioned Roman Wilson, McConkey, and Pearsall. I think those three guys will definitely perform well at the Combine. All three of those guys as well had great senior bowls in Mobile last month. I expect those performances to continue. And you look at Pearsall. Again, I've talked with, I've talked about Pearsall, I feel like, now every podcast episode. But this is a guy I really think can sneak into the early second round and end up being maybe the sixth or seventh wide receiver off the board, which is crazy to say because not a lot of people are talking about him right now. But then McConkie could slip into the first round with a good combine, I would say. I know teams are going to fall in love with him. Uh, his route running, is his releases off the line of scrimmage as well, it's just is beautiful. It's a work of art. And then Roman Wilson, a guy who also was just cooking defensive backs in Mobile last month. So all three of those guys I'm excited to watch, plus the entire list. I think there's like 30-something wide receivers that are going to be there. Uh, later guys to keep an eye on Malik Washington out of UVA. Um, he's like a, a shorter, small, a smaller wide receiver, but a great uh, route running technician. He had a great shrine bowl. Same with Taj Washington as well out of USC. I'm going to have my eyes on those two guys as well. Um, in terms of the running backs, in terms of the running backs for me, kind of the same as the wide receivers. Is there going to be a consensus RB one after the out, out sorry is there going to be a consensus rb1 after the nfl scouting combine to me it was jonathan brooks the running back out of texas but then he tore his acl in the middle of the season and that kind of put him out for a while he's not going to be participating at the combine and now you look at the three three other guys i would say that probably have the ability to be the rb1 in this class i don't expect any of them to be like the consensus after the scouting combine, but I really think we could see a front runner. If you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think there could be a front runner, but I don't think it'd be the, like a strong front runner. So Braylon Allen out of Wisconsin, a, a great three down back. He's only 20 years old. He's one of the youngest running, run, one of the youngest prospects in this draft class overall. Bucky Irving, a very shifty guy. He can make a lot of guys miss in space pretty fast as well out of Oregon. He's my RB1 right now. I still have to get through some other guys, but he's my RB1. And then Trey Benson out of Florida State, more of a power guy. He can he can just push people to the ground. He can run over people. Um, at Florida State, he was doing all of that. He's great contact balance as well. So those are the three guys I think could maybe etch the maybe take the lead and be a front runner in this running back class. You also have guys like Blake Corum, but he's pretty tiny. You have uh, some other guys as well, um, like Audric Estime as well, who could maybe make some noise out of Notre Dame. So there, there's some guys. There's some guys at the running back position. But again, it's not one of the strongest positions in this draft. None of these guys 
should go in the first round. And I would make the argument that really only maybe one or two of these guys should end up going in the second round. And that's like late second round too. So this running back class is not strong at all. Um, there's some guys, there's, there's like a big pack of people that you can probably get late three, early four. That's kind of where everyone is really sitting right now. And then of course, if you like a prospect, you'd have them a little bit higher, but then most, most of the top guys right now are, are kind of sitting in the same third, fourth round range. So that'll be something to keep an eye on, but that that's, that's probably my offensive storylines, the, the biggest offensive storylines heading into the NFL scouting combine, of course. There's going to be talk about the tight end position with Brock Bowers. I think Jatavion Sanders should be a guy that a lot of people should keep an eye on because I would even say maybe he could sneak into the first round just because of his size, his sheer size, and what he can do in the, in the receiving game as well, the tight end out of Texas. So Jatavion Sanders has kind of cemented himself as the tight end two in this class beyond Brock Bowers. But it'll be interesting to watch those guys because I think Jatavion Sanders could maybe have, just athletically, a better combine than Brock Bowers. So that'll be something to keep an eye on. And then for the offensive line, of course, it's also just like the wide receiver. There's so many clumped guys right now in the early second round, like early second round, late first round range. You have Troy Fountainu, you have Jordan Morgan, Patrick Paul. There's a bunch of guys right now. Kingsley Suomatea out of BYU as well. So all those all these guys are kind of sitting in the late first round, early second round, mid second round range. Who's going to separate themselves from the pack? That'll be something I'm going to be watching as well. So uh, there's going to be those guys. And then interior-wise, Jackson Powers Johnson will be back um, and participating there. Zach Frazier as well. Those guys, uh, Cedric Von Pran as well out of uh, Georgia. I'm excited for Powers Johnson and Von Pran to see both of those guys. I Von Pran as a second-round grade, I believe, and then Jackson Powers Johnson as a mid-one. So both of those guys, I think, could be reliable starters in the league. And we've seen over the last week multiple teams release their starting center for some reason. I know the Rams did it. The Steelers did it. So there's going to be a need for centers in this class. I think the Rams could maybe end up selecting a guy like Powers Johnson now that they release their starting center. And the Steelers will see what happens with them in the second or maybe third round when they could go after Cedric Van Prance. So we'll see what happens offensively. But that's kind of my biggest storylines. Moving on to... Defense, defensive storylines. We'll start with the injuries because there are some injuries for... Oh, one more thing. Sorry, we'll go back to offense. One last thing, Michael Penix, medicals for him. That will be something to keep an eye on throughout the course of the week. Michael Penix, he had four straight season-ending injuries uh, when he was at Indiana. And then he transfers over to Washington. Again, he tours ACL twice. He's hurt his his throwing shoulder twice. He's got his medical exam on Friday. He's got his workout on Saturday. That'll be something to keep an eye on, and that's also a good transition to the defensive storylines because injuries are also going to be an issue there too. How will the medicals play out for UCLA edge rusher Laitu Latu and NC State linebacker Peyton Wilson? Both of those guys are great players. Latu, I mean, I'm in the middle of watching him right now, and he's he's go he's going to be the best edge rusher in this class, just pure pass rusher. Um, he's going to be my favorite, and he, again, he's the first one I've watched, but I can already tell that he's going to be, if not one, if not my favorite, but like one of my favorites in this class. I, he, I'm going to give him a first round grade for sure. Um, the question though will be his injury history because the neck injury that he suffered back in 2020 kind of put him out for two years, made him medically retire, and now he's going to have his medical exam on Tuesday. Again, workout for him will be on Wednesday. I believe, or Thursday. 
So I think, yeah, I think Latu, the medical exam is on Tuesday. And then Penix, the medical exam for him might be on Thursday. I'm, I might be getting my days mixed up a, a little bit here. But for Latu, Latu, and Peyton Wilson, their medical exams will be on Tuesday for sure. Latu, again, the neck injury, put him out for a few seasons. He had to medically retire from the game. He came back, and then he's been one of the best edge rushers in college football. He was the best edge rusher in college football last year. So that will be something to keep an eye on because, again, Latu, in my opinion, can definitely be a top-10 talent in this draft, except it will be with the medicals. How far is he going to fall, and how will teams kind of view him after they see his medical exam this week? Same can be said for Peyton Wilson, who is – arguably the best linebacker in this class. You have a battle between really him and Jeremiah Trotter, uh, some other guys as well, but it really between him and Trotter and maybe Cedric Gray. Um, but Wilson, shoulder injury, ACL injury, he's, he's had a lot of stuff happen to him. He had a shoulder injury, he tore his ACL, he's a hamstring injury. His exam is on Tuesday. That'll be something to watch because that really, since he's a linebacker and since there's not really consensus right now, who's the best linebacker in this class, that could really put him between being potentially a mid-second round pick and like a fourth, maybe fifth round pick based on how these medical exams come in. So Penix, Latu, and Wilson, three guys that are definitely going to be on the radar in terms of how do their medical exams go and how do the do their past injuries show up in their medical exams? Will that be sustainable? It, it kind of tells teams, will this player be sustainable in the NFL based on their past injuries? So that's kind of a big reason why the medical exams are important. Some other injury stuff for the defensive side. No Cooper DeGene. With a, he's out with a hamstring injury. So Cooper DeGene will be at the scouting combine. He's not going to be working out. And no Johnny uh, Johnny Newton. Trezon Newton. He goes by Johnny Newton. He has a broken toe. So the defensive tackle out of Illinois. A guy who I gave a late first round grade on, I believe. will. Um, and he's also my best interior defensive lineman in this class. Um, he's not going to be participating at the combine either. So it kind of leaves the door open for guys like Devondre Sweat, Byron Murphy, Chris Jenkins, a guy that I love. I gave him a second round grade, the defensive tackle out of Michigan. It gives a it kind of leaves the door open for those guys potentially, maybe leapfrogging Johnny Newen in uh when we come when we come to the draft in April, because Byron Murphy is getting a lot of hype right now. He had a great uh well, he kind of he dropped out of the senior bowl, but he had a great end to the season at Texas. Tavondre Sweat was one of the best players at the Senior Bowl in Mobile. So both of those guys could potentially sneak into the first round, especially with no Johnny Newton there. Both of those guys could steal the spotlight. So those, those are kind of my defense storylines for the defense. It's more just injuries and how did the injuries play a factor. Uh, I think the edge rusher, it'll be interesting to see how Chop Robinson tests, the edge rusher out of Penn State. Great athletic ability. Uh, he's massive as well, but he kind of just didn't really – put the entire thing together. He had a struggle finishing pressure, finishing pressures on his tape, and it's kind of dropped off now into kind of a late first round, early second round at his consensus, who was once arguably the best edge rusher in this class. You have him, Jared Verse, Dallas Turner, and Laitu Latu as kind of the four big-time big, big time guys at edge rusher. And then some guys that could, that could potentially – Move on into maybe a day two pick. Austin Booker, the edge rusher out of Kansas, had a great senior bowl. Darius Robinson, I've talked about him on the senior bowl recap episode. The edge rusher out of Missouri, he had a great senior bowl. I think both those guys could potentially put themselves into second, third round conversation. Darius Robinson, in my opinion, could potentially put himself in a first round conversation. So those are kind of my guys to keep an eye on in terms of the defensive line. 
And then uh, on the um, in the secondary, Smith Wade out of Washington State is a guy that I liked at the Senior Bowl. I think if they play him at nickel, he could definitely be one of the best nickels in the NFL. He seemed to love that role when he was at the Senior Bowl, kind of fit his strengths really well. So uh, he said he loved playing that because that was one of his first times he's played that role instead of that outside corner that he played at uh, in Washington State. So Smith Wade could be someone that um, – that could rise up boards, especially if he kind of shines in that nickel role. And then some other guys, Cam Hart out of Notre Dame, had a great senior role as well. Uh, he could potentially sneak his way on up as well um, in in kind of the draft process with a good combine and kind of going a back-to-back. If you have a good senior role and a good combine, I mean, that can take you up multiple rounds. Even It could even take you up multiple days if you were like a fourth, fifth-round pick like Darius Robinson was he was considered kind of a fourth, fifth round pick. And then a good senior ball has put him pretty much a lock now into day two. He has a good combine. All of a sudden, he could potentially steal a spot on day one. So those are kind of my defensive storylines. Moving on now to the Cam Carl situation, because this has been something that's kind of been going across Commander's Twitter for the last few days as we inch closer and closer to free agency. And now that the new cap number has been announced for the NFL, go moving up $30 million from what it was last year, which is just massive. The Commanders will now have $79 million in cap space, which is the most in the NFL. $79 million in available cap space, which is, which is a lot of money. That's a lot of money. The franchise tag for safeties, again, Cam Curl, an upcoming free agent uh, in March. He's spent the last four years, a former seventh-round pick in 2020, he spent the last four years under the Ron Rivera era and now is hitting the open market. Unless Washington decides to franchise tag him the fran- or give him a multi-year extension, the franchise tag will be worth $17.1 million, fully guaranteed. That's going to take a big chunk, not a big chunk, but that's going to take a good chunk out of the commander's cap space by franchise tagging him. You can also sign him to a multi-year extension and lower that cap number as well. But again, I, I, the longer we go now, the less I think it's likely that we sign him to a long-term extension. I think it could be fairly likely we sign him to a franchise tag. Uh, beyond Cam, Mar- Cam, sorry, Cam Carl, beyond Cam Carl, you have Quan Martin, who was the former second-round pick out of Illinois last season in 2023. He had a great end to the season. He's kind of been that played that nickel role for Washington and then kind of played safety a little bit as well with Derek Forrest done for the season for, I believe it was like the final nine weeks of the season, eight, eight, nine weeks of the season, Derek Forrest was done. And so uh, Quan Martin came in and he played great. He played great, uh, especially towards the down the stretch of the season. So the big question is, do you pay Cam Carl this contract extension or this franchise tag, or do you let him walk in free agency and you rely on the younger Quan Martin? Here's my take on it. I think Cam Carl would be great to have back. I think He's a veteran presence in a very young secondary. Again, Kendall Fuller as well is an upcoming free agent. So I think Cam Curl could be a great veteran presence. He's only 25, but he's played four years in the NFL. And he's done four, he's played four great years in the NFL as well. He might not be considered an elite safety yet or part of one of the top two tiers. I think he's probably like a tier three safety if I had to guess right now. But what he does well, he can tackle well. And again, he might not be the greatest, like he might not be the most consistent, but I think if you can have a veteran presence to help develop guys like Quan Martin, 
uh, and some of the other young players in that secondary, like Emmanuel Forbes as well. I think Cam Curl has been consistent enough. He can tackle well. He's he is he's good in coverage. He does that fairly well as well. He's not the most. He's not like going to be the greatest tight uh, safety. He's not like one like one of the elite safeties in the NFL. But I wouldn't mind signing him to a, a long term extension. Now, what you cannot do if you're Washington, you cannot franchise tag him for one year. Have him maybe sit out and hold out for a little bit, and then just leaves after next season. That's not going to help you. That's going to take a lot, large portion of this cap space that you could spend elsewhere on more positions of need. Because again, safety right now is one of the deepest positions for the Washington Commanders. You have Derek Forrest, you have Quan Martin, you have Cam Curl, you have Percy Butler still, who just played a bunch of special teams. The former fourth round pick has just played a bunch of special teams over the last few years. You have Jeremy Reeves, who's going to be a free agent. We're going to see if, if he's going to be able to come back or not. So there's a lot of a lot of moving pieces at the safety position, but it's probably one of the positions that I feel the strongest in right now if I'm Washington. And if you don't bring back Cam Curl, that's fine. I do think if you don't bring him back, you have to bring in some veteran safety maybe that could be like a depth piece. And you have Derek Forrest and Quan Martin on on like one side and the other side. But at the same time, you bring back Cam Curl, it's not like it's not going to be like Quan Martin isn't going to get any playing time because last season we saw him get playing time. We got we saw him get a bunch of playing time towards the end of the season. Dan Quinn, the Dallas Cowboys defense, they played a lot of nickel. Nickel is now becoming the pretty much the base defense in the NFL now with all of these pass-heavy offenses. You're going to be playing with a lot of five defensive backs on the field, uh, a lot of the time with five defensive backs on the field. And Cam Curl, you could have Cam Curl, Derek Forrest, and Quan Martin all on the field at the same time. That happened last year as well with Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio. You had all three of those guys on the field at the same time. I don't see why not. You can't do it again next year. So if you bring back Cam Curl, I think it'd be great because you now have a solid piece. You know what you're going to get out of Cam Curl, his performance and everything. Plus, you can still develop Quan Martin in more of a nickel role. It boosts the defense. It kind of adds some more flexibility with what you can do with Quan Martin. Because, again, the corner position, are we going to bring back Kendall Fuller? Are we not going to bring back Kendall Fuller once more? As time goes on, it's February 25th. Free starts March 17th, I believe, or March 18th, I believe. Not, I don't know the exact date. It's somewhere around there. But the longer the time goes on, the less likely Cam Carl and Kendall Fuller will return as Washington Commanders. So that's that's my take. I think you bring Carl back, that's fine. Um, Quan Martin, I, I mean, I'd rather have Carl back than not. I'd rather have Cam Carl back than not. I just don't, I just think the franchise tag number for him will be, is a little bit too much than what I'm willing to give him. 17.1 million fully guaranteed would make him the third highest paid safety in the league. I don't think he's the third best safety in the league, but he is a very good safety. And I think bringing him back would be great for this defense kind of brings back some, brings some continuity with the new regime and the new defense uh, defensive scheme coming in. It's going to bring some continuity within that secondary and kind of a, a vocal leader as well that Cam Curl has turned out to be with this team. So that's my take with the Cam Curl situation. And finally here, the weekly mock draft. Um, I, again, if you guys want to send in your weekly mock drafts, uh, you can message me on Twitter at Mason underscore Kenahan, and I will pick, I usually just pick one of them and we talk about it. So today or this week's weekly mock draft is going, is coming from Chase King, CK Sports, and then it has like at the at the end of sports, it has like three yeses in a row. So here's his mock draft. At number two, he goes with Drake May. 
I believe last year, uh, last um weeks, last week's mock had Jane Daniels. I want to say I, I could be wrong, but this time we go with Drake May. Uh, again, I like Drake May. I think he's my QB two in this class. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna eventually have like a film breakdown on both Drake May and Jane Daniels. I just don't know when that's gonna come out. I'm pretty busy right now. That's gonna take a lot of time to make. I expect to rewatch these quarterbacks as we get closer to the draft. I already did my first evaluation. I have Caleb Williams as QB1, Drake May as QB2, Jane Daniels as QB3, and then Daniels is kind of on like a second tier between Williams and May. So that's my take on it. I'm going to go ahead and watch them again probably sometime in March, maybe late March. But Drake May, number one, number two overall to the Washington Commanders, pick 36, Graham Barton, the guard out of Duke. He played tackle at Duke. He's pretty much going to be a guard, though, in the NFL. Um, I, this pick is fine. I think there could be better options. I would rather pick Patrick Paul over Graham Barton. I'd rather pick Jordan Morgan, Troy Fountainew over Graham Barton. Barton would probably be the last resort, I would say. Uh, and I think it's kind of a little bit rich for him at 36. Especially, you could get maybe a different position of need. I get that Washington needs offensive linemen. But you're going to see later in this in this mock draft, just the depth of the offensive line and how many good offensive linemen we could get in the third and fourth round. So the pick is okay. It's okay. I'm not in love with that pick, but pick 40. I like a lot. My LB one in this class. I don't think I mentioned him earlier when we were talking about linebackers, but edge Cooper, the linebacker out of Texas A&M. He's my favorite linebacker in this class. Peyton Wilson come, came in at like, I believe LB two and then Trotter LB three, but uh, edge Cooper, I think is a great. He's great in coverage. He's great in the pass rush as well. Kind of just does everything really well, and I think he could. I I wouldn't say. I don't think he. Sne- I don't think he ultimately sneaks into the first round on day one, but I think there's a chance. There is a chance, and I wouldn't be that surprised if he sneaks into the first round. Here, Washington gets him at pick number forty. Pick number sixty-seven, Cedric Von Prawn, the center out of Georgia. I watched his tape. He was great. Getting, getting him in the third round, I had a late second on him, I believe. Getting him in the third round would be awesome. Uh, we need a center. We need a center pretty badly. Ricky Stromberg last year, it was an up-and-down season for him. He played better at guard than he did at center throughout the preseason and throughout the early parts of the season as well, regular season as well. So he did play uh, better at guard than center throughout the entire season and in training camp as well, I would say. But overall, it was it was a struggle for Ricky Stromberg, the former third round pick in the twenty twenty three NFL draft by the by the Washington Commanders. So bringing in Von Prawn out of Georgia, my center two in this class, maybe he ends up being center three beyond Zach Frazier. But I, I still need to get the Frazier. I don't have enough film on on him yet. So Von Prawn at sixty seven, Malik Washington, a guy that I talked about about potentially um, being a riser at the combine this week. The wide receiver out of UVA, pick I, I pick 100. So, I mean, I like this pick. I like this pick. It's really going to be more of what does Washington need right now? And so far, if we're just looking solely at positions of need, so far in this mock draft, we've gone quarterback, two interior offensive linemen, and a linebacker. Maybe a pick 100. This is where we see a tight end. So I actually scratched that. I don't know. I'm not 100% confident with this pick. Malik Washington at 100 is at the end of round three. That's a little bit rich for me, I would say. But again, he had a great stride bowl. And I think these smaller wide receivers teams will fall in love with after we've seen kind of the rise of them over the last 
few seasons, the ones that are really good at route running, like Puka Nakua. So Malik Washington, a pretty small receiver. Taj Washington, a smaller receiver. Those guys could definitely sneak up draft boards. And I wouldn't be surprised if Malik Washington ends up going late in the third round, early in the fourth round. But at this stage, I don't think wide receiver is an entirely great position of need right now. I don't think it's one of the main ones that Washington needs. I think a tight end, as Washington will probably cut Logan Thomas within the next few weeks, will be a bigger position of need. But Malik Washington at 100. Two picks later, Cam Hart, the corner out of Notre Dame at 102. Hold on. Why do, okay, wait, this is the fourth round pick now. Okay, so this is the fourth round pick for Washington. At 102, Cam Hart, I talked about him in about in the combine a little bit earlier, but the corner out of Notre Dame had a great senior bowl. I know I was talking with Josh Taylor a lot about this guy. He kind of just stood out. He had an interception on day one. He, had, he was great in one-on-ones against these wide receivers, which again, it's more important to look at these corners and if they're performing well at the senior bowl than the wide receivers. Because the wide receivers in these one-on-ones are supposed to are supposed to win against these corners. The corners in the one-on-ones aren't supposed to win. So when the corners win, that's something to keep an eye on because that means more than the wide receiver winning a rep. The, the corner the corner winning a rep means more than the wide receiver winning a rep. So Cam Hart at 102, I like that pick. Zach Zinter, the guard out of Michigan at 137. I really thought Zach Zinter could potentially be a day two pick. He tore his ACL, I believe, or tore his Achilles in the game against Ohio State, which ended his Michigan career. But it was a great Michigan career. Uh, the senior out of um, in in Ann Arbor, I think potentially picking him. I know Andrew Voorhees was a guy last year that the Ravens selected pretty late in the draft, but it was a guy that was potentially going to be a day two pick and tore his ACL at the scouting combine. And what, the Ravens got him? I don't even remember exactly. Uh, I don't even remember exactly where he was selected, but I believe it was the third round. Yeah, it was a, it was the seventh round. It was the seventh round. So Andrew Voorhees, a guy that was potentially going to be in the second round, ended up sliding to the seventh round for the Ravens, who, again, he didn't play this season with that 20 ACL, but now... You now have the depth of Voorhees and how you've developed him, and he's gone to know the NFL game. And with the Ravens, some of their guard depth is going to be leaving in free agency. So having a guy like Voorhees to potentially come in and be a starter uh, with the talent that he has, even though he's coming off of a torn ACL, is massive. They did the same thing with David Ojabo as well. And Ojabo had a great year for Baltimore this season. So Zach Zinter could be that guy. Uh, having a season-ending injury, he's going to be out for a little bit. I think he's probably going to come back at some point in the 2024 season, but I don't think he'd be ready for week one because of his torn ACL. So Zinter could be a guy that could fall fall off into maybe the sixth or seventh round, but potentially be a great, a great offensive lineman in the league. And then Xavier Thomas, the edge rusher out of Clemson at 180. Don't know much about him, but I think getting an edge rusher at some point in this draft will be pretty key for Washington, especially if they don't go out and sign uh, like multiple in um in free agency because they're going to need to sign multiple in free agency just because of the lack of depth that Washington has now with only KJ Henry and Andre Jones. So uh they're going to need to sign a lot of depth at at edge rusher and to cap it all off the Duke corner Al Blades Jr. I again I don't know that much about Al Blades. I, I still need to get to a lot of the day 3 corners, but at 219 kind of boosting the secondary a little bit with Cam Hart and Al Blades just getting some depth. Again, if we don't re-sign Kendall Fuller 
And we have Ben Benjamin St. Juice on one side, Emmanuel Forbes on the other side. There's not going to be a lot of depth beyond them. Bringing in Cam Hart and Al Blades as depth pieces, fine with me. So overall, I would give this one, the last one I think I gave like a B minus, I want to say. But this one I'll give, hmm. I don't really like, okay, so the Drake May pick I like. The Graham Barton pick is a little bit wonky. The Malik Washington pick, I, I'm not entirely sure about that. The Cam Hart, Zach, some of these day, day three picks, though, I like. Cam Hart, Zach Zinter, and then Al Blaze and Zayer Thomas as well. These picks I like. And the Edge Cooper pick is fine, too. And the Von Prawn pick. So probably like two, and a half, two, maybe three picks that I'm not entirely confident on. I will give this a, I'll give this one a B plus. I would give this one a B plus. I think taking Graham Barton a little bit early is kind of what hits this one the most, like what what takes the grade off of this one the most, as I think it's a little bit rich for him, and I think Washington could go for a different position at that point. But kind of making up for it, Cedric Von Prawn, Zach Zinter, Barton, having all three of those guys to rebuild that interior is something I love. So Chase King, good job, B plus. I think you beat the last week, uh, the last last mock draft guy. That did it last week. I think he had a B minus. But yeah, that'll be it for this week's episode of Keeping Up with the Commanders Scouting Combines this week. We are we are in full force in uh the draft process. The offseason is coming up in a few weeks as well with free agency. Next week's pod will be recapping the combine and then like going over these interviews for Ron Rivera. Oh, Ron Rivera. Why did I just say that? Not Ron Rivera. For Dan Quinn. These interviews for Dan Quinn and Adam Peters. So we're going to be going over those as well. Again, if you want to read my stuff at the Right Way Sports Network, TWSN.net, follow me on Twitter at Mason underscore Kenahan. That will be it for this week's episode of Keeping Up with the Commanders. See you guys in the next one. Peace.